Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR Head of HR, is joined by special guest and fellow Bambooligan and Director of HR, Cassie Whitlock. They discuss best practices to improve the human experience at work in the midst of current challenges. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. For our new listeners, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Anita Grantham. I lead HR here at Bamboo HR, and I get the awesome opportunity to host this podcast. I've been a passionate people advocate for too long to count, and I believe that the best way to build people teams is to focus on compassion and authentic leadership. And I'm joined today by one of the most compassionate, authentic leaders that I know, Cassie Whitlock. Cassie is our director of HR at Bamboo HR, and I can't wait to dive into these topics with her. Cassie, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, thanks, Anita. I'm excited to be joining you today. Yeah. So I'm Cassie Whitlock. Um, I've been at Bamboo for almost 11 years now, and I love to tell my story like I was an employee 21. So it has been such a phenomenal experience to join an organization who is very human-centric, who wants to achieve uncommon results and help build and grow. And I'm so excited that we get to work together for the next chapter of building here at Bamboo HR. Um, I, I really think that when we do a great job of focusing on our people, it frees up our people to really focus on the business results and outcomes, creates this sense of unity that is really hard to achieve when and we ignore that component of how are people doing. So I'm excited for our discussion today. I am too. And Cassie, you are the master of knowing how the employee experience maps to the customer experience. And you've done that through all of your 11 years at Bamboo HR through really focusing on engagement. I mean, you're, you're a complete master at it. So you're getting a master class on engagement here with Cassie. And we're going to talk about a few variables that are all interconnected, team member engagement, team member well-being, and culture. And we've talked about these topics a lot in our past episodes, but today we're going to put them all together into kind of a way that you can see how they symbiotically work together. And as a baseline, we talk about how critical team member engagement is and how important it is in centered around your company's mission, vision, and values. And all of these being clearly communicated in your employee value proposition, just like it would be communicated in your customer value proposition. I'll get to more of that first, but Cassie, I'd love to share your thoughts on team member engagement and what it means to you. Yeah. So when I think about engagement, I always like to make the business case first. Like, why does this matter? Does it actually matter? And yes, it does. We know that 80% of overperforming companies link everything that they do to their purpose to their big why. Um, when we look at the word engagement, a lot of times we kind of confuse it with team member satisfaction. Like, do you like your job? And I think that's where it can go wrong. Or perhaps we're like, I don't know what to do with that. So when we think about the word engagement, right, let's go back to the, the definition that we're probably most familiar with. It's, it's a contract. It's an agreement between two people to get married. It's a commitment. It's an obligation. So engagement is about how individual roles translate into a group outcome. So think about a sports team. You can have great individual players, but if you really want a successful season, 
it requires consistent team outcomes and not just that one superhero player who always, you know, brings victory to the table. That's just not scalable and sustainable. You cannot consistently predict that outcome. So at work, um, where culture is the gate to individual performance, then team member engagement is the fuel for your company's success. If I'm committed to our mission, if I have a true sense of ownership or obligation, then yes, you get my time, but you also get the very best of me. You get my heart, my mind, my skills, my knowledge, my passion, and my courage. Oh, I'd, I so love that. Where where do you see some actionable items that you've kind of created to tie this all together? You know, we want to make sure that all of our listeners can take what you're saying and put it back into their job. And you mentioned so many good things. If I if I haven't even started really thinking about engagement, you know, I'm an HR team of one or or few. What can I do right away that would help me center and understand engagement and how it can help amplify my culture? Yeah. Um, I know one of the things that you focus on is company values. I think this is things that we talk about on and off, but are they saying on a wall or do you actually mean it? And I remember when when Bamboo started to say, hey, let's let's create our values. It was an introspective journey of stepping back and looking at ourselves and saying, who are we? And do we believe this to be true no matter what? When we're winning, when we're losing, and so um, values should not be aspirational, meaning something that we're going to attain. They are the rules of the road. They're the stop signs, the traffic lights, the, the lines on the street, right? It helps you know how to think, act, and interact. And so making sure that you have values, that you codify them, that they're written, that you talk about them often. I know one of the things you're driving Within our team right now, Anita, as we're talking about what does counterfeit look like inside of our culture and inside of our values. Sometimes knowing what it is is important, but also knowing what it isn't can be just as powerful. We've had some fun interaction on that. Cassie and I have been putting some thoughts into our team Slack channel. We've been talking about the bamboo value, lead from where you are. And, and so it's been great to hear what the team members feel like that value means and what that value doesn't mean. But what's interesting, Cassie, is I was actually going through that this morning. It was the first thing I did today and everybody defines that value differently. Yeah. And so, especially as you start to grow, but it doesn't take very many. I mean, this can happen with 10 people, 20 people, 50 people. What happens when you have those values, but then you associate your own meaning with that? And how does that show up in your organization as you're driving engagement? Well, this is why you have to be talking about it constantly. If you're not talking about it, it means each individual is now creating their own definition, their own experiences. And it, it takes being intentional. Um, so band nerd, grew up in band, loved it. What did you play? Clarinet. So woodwind section. This is so cool. Okay, keep going. So yes. Excited. Anyway, um, you know, if you've ever been in marching band, the key is always about your bass drum. Can you hear the tempo of the song? And then you know how to do your part because you know where the bass drum is at. And I may not be able to see the leader of the marching band. I may not be able to hear the counter melody to my part, but if I know where my beat is at, I know what my role is. And, and so 
How are you creating the beat in your organization? And it, you need it both in a team dynamic perspective, but it also has to become personal. It needs to become individual. And how do you use feedback loops inside your organization to identify I'm, I'm one degree off or this individual consistently um, shows up with this value differently than other people? Now, different can be good. But do you understand it? Are you talking about it and and making sure that you're establishing kind of the social norms of what it looks like to um, create engagement? Because you're all agreed to the same thing. I go back to that analogy of, hey, let's get married. What does that look like? Well, if you think it means we still live in separate houses and we have separate bank accounts and we just meet up for dinner. That could be different than than what I think. And having that clarity is a is a constant. It's a journey and you never arrive. I love this because it really takes a path of going deep on how you can leverage values for that drum beat instead of just having them live on the wall. You know, who do you see as responsible for beating that drum, Cassie? Well, first of all, I think there's a role for everybody to play. And have you identified what that is? We know the importance of your senior leaders, right? Your executive team, and even specifically your CEO. If they do not exemplify, and I'm going to call us out in the HR space, if we do not exemplify our values to the highest level, they mean nothing. Yeah. So we have to be clear on what your job is, what your opportunity is. Um, Anybody in leadership needs to be providing the space for it and emphasizing the importance of it. And then from there, I tend to think about it in kind of individual one-on-one relationships, how I show up for you, how I come and give you feedback, how I respond to your feedback. Suddenly that's really the, the heart and the art of what it means to be engaged. I know what we're trying to accomplish and I'm trying to do my portion of that job, but I'm not doing it at the expense of your experience or your goals and outcomes truly being aligned to the same goal. This is so good. So if I kind of look at this section and put together some action items for everybody that's listening, the first one is talk about what engagement means to your CEO. So you get that buy-in from your senior leader. You can craft the values with senior leadership. You can actually do that company-wide as well. And then you put these behaviors around the values so that you have a good sense for what they are and what they're not. Because that way, like Cassie, you just said, you can give feedback around it. But one stat that I saw this um, is here, more than 90% of team members who feel valued at work say that they're motivated to do their best. And so I know when you can use a value with me and Cassie comes to me often and says, hey, Anita, thank you for being open. Um, She's leveraging our values. I'm seeing what she saw in me that exemplified this value so I can continue to do it. Because oftentimes we want to give feedback, but when we can give appreciation, we're also going to get that reinforcement of that value too. Is there anything here you'd want to add, Cassie, that we talked about in this section? Well, I feel like you are being our masterclass of this. Like Anita has the values with her. She's <laughs> constantly got them. And, and it's interesting watching her think and talk about it. And she's had to define her own commitment to each value. 
she's had to say, what does this mean to me? And does it map to what I expect others to do? And it's that individual, like I'm signing this contract. I agree and commit to X. And have we incorporated that as who we are as professionals, right? I have mad wicked Excel skills. I could do that all day long. And people know that about me. If they worked with me and they're like, heck yeah, Cassie's going to save us. She can do Excel. But do they know that I'm actually committed to the values and that's part of my brand, but part of the competencies that I bring to work every day? Mm -hmm. But I actually think your Excel skills, if I do this, to me, that falls under make it count, right? So this is where I love that Cassie and I get to work together because you do have a strength in Excel that I don't have, but we can't make it count if we don't know where we are in the data. And this actually leads us into a good uh, second piece, which is part two around well-being. Um, because like well-being, you know, was a really hot topic through COVID. We've kind of seen it th- come off, you know, the, the hot chart LinkedIn feed due to layoffs. And I actually think now well-being is more important than ever as we've gone through this type of whiplash scenario and how we leverage each other's strengths to make it count when often many teams that we see here in the chat are doing more with less right? Maybe they're not going to get the amount of hires that they thought they were going to get. Maybe their team isn't going to grow. Maybe they've had to reduce the size of their team. Making it count matters more than ever when we look to prioritize. And how do we do that and still feel strong in our our mental health? And so once you've clearly communicated and engaged your team members, it's time to get serious about well-being to make sure that that engagement sustains because people are feeling, you know, really good about where they are. So how do you see how do you see this while being evolving Cassie and being a priority for team members, even though more obvious, um, you know, companies, you know, aren't doing as much in this area as they were before? Yeah. Well, as I watch people talk about it, there's always this like question mark around it. Is this temporary? Is this? Um, and so I start to lean into the math. And when we look at does this matter to our businesses, it does. Um, fewer than one in four U.S. team members feel strongly that their organization cares about their well-being. It's the lowest percentage in nearly a decade, according to Gallup. Like that's that's astonishing. We know a lot of the reasons why we're there. Um, the pandemic is part of that. So prior to COVID-19 in 2014, there was 25% of team members strongly agreed that their employers care about them. Um And then once the pandemic set in, that most people, that feeling, it it nearly doubled. So we reached a high of 49% in May of last year, which tells me it mattered. We never paid attention to it. We didn't prioritize it. COVID hits. The world is different. We're all adapting and we're trying new things. And guess what? It worked. People felt it. But then the same old behaviors start to creep back in. So to me, I think we start with saying it matters. And then what is it exactly that we're talking about? When I think about defining employee well-being, I really think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's all the things. If you think of the synonyms for well-being, it's words like happiness, health, prosperity, safety, success. If I think about the antonyms, we're looking at words like danger, loss, sadness, failure. So those last two words, success and failure, that's part of well-being. Are we winning? 
Are we achieving our goals? Are we accomplishing our mission and our purpose? Are, do our efforts matter? And I, I think that needs to be central, especially if we continue to have economic difficulties, yeah. right? It has to count all the time. And are we making sure that well-being and success, health, safety is part of that formula? And what I love you're saying here, Cassie, is you're connecting like the value into how it shows up as a well-being vehicle and then as driving performance in the business. So, you know, some some people are asking, well, how does fitness and wellness and health fit into it? And, you know, what I hear you saying is you could, let's say you are a healthcare company. Maybe you want to prioritize well-being benefits that tie into your strategy for well-being that map to your values and map to your mission right? We're connecting, what do you call it? You call it one red thread. I love this term that you use all the way through so they can see the action that it shows up but how it ties all the way back to the strategy of the business so that you can have success as an organization. But I think what has kind of lost sight is we had all these organizations that put out all these benefits and then can stay financially whole. Then the benefits drop off, right? How do you do this now with layoffs, right? And with a constrained system. What thoughts do you have there so that people still feel like you care? Yeah. And I, I just run up and down Maslow's hierarchy, right? What do we have to do about the base layer? What about just the basics of safety and, and things like that? What does that mean? And what can I do about it? If you're in a hard spot and you're having to make that tough call of laying people off, okay, we make that decision, but now let's execute with excellence. Let's treat our people with respect. Let's provide the resources that we can give them. Let's let's help them land on their feet. Hopefully, we've also taught them skills and provided benefits in the interim that have helped them prepare themselves for the who knows what might come in the future and they're in their best place possible. And burnout is a is a big one that we think about. I don't know about you all, but sometimes I can just bounce from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. And the next thing I know, it's almost the end of my workday. And I have to say, did I, did I step away from my desk? Did I take a break? Did I have a human experience? Did I feel connected? Um, there's just, there's so much in there. One of the things that I'm trying to do is just really be a personal driver of my own well-being. Yeah. So once the pandemic hit, I started a new practice of having a gratitude journal. Every morning is my centering place of what do I want to accomplish when I go into work today via Zoom? Um, how do I want to show up? What are the feelings that I want to experience? And what what is my role and obligation to my team and how I'm going to show up there? And so if I'm doing that for me, who else on my team is doing that? But what are we doing together? as um while being led by our leaders and are we making are we making space for that it's too easy to say eap provide an eap there are so many easy ways to do this and it doesn't cost money you just have to care i know it at bamboo hr we like to use slack for communications and just grassroots we had um an anxiety peer support channel that spun up and i love this channel i joined it I love this channel too. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's a place where humans show up and say, I'm struggling and they just are supported and you're cheered on. 
People get to share victories. People give tips and advice. And it's just this place of authentic, not all is well. And yet you feel safe, you feel seen, you feel supported. It costs zero dollars. And it's not a big distraction. And yet I look at the people participating and feeling like they're growing and they're marching up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs to a better, healthier place than wherever you happen to be on any given day. Yeah, it's so good. What I love about this is that you're sharing actionable tips that don't cost any money that actually promote well-being. And it's done in the context of our culture. So people feel really safe in that anxiety peer support channel. I've seen a number of posts of like, my toddler's having a meltdown and I'm feeling stressed out and what can I do about it? And then, you know, Cassie jumps in or I think there's probably like 50 or 100 people on that channel. Everybody jumps in with what what we all do um, at the time that we experienced our toddler having a meltdown and, um, you know, what we do to get ourselves back on track to go through those Zoom calls. And that's really well-being. Um, it's It can be through a program. There's a lot of great um, you know, softwares and tools that you all have mentioned in the chat that work for that. But I don't think you need to have that either. What I'm hearing from Cassie is that it takes like a focused partnership. And Cassie and I do this for each other. Cassie's amazing at that. She'll call me and say, hey, are you okay today? Right? Do you need something today? Um, and to me, that's well-being. I know that I have somebody at Bamboo that cares about me and will call and check in with me. And that um, no software can do for you. But if I do want to know how we're doing on well-being, I can use our well-being report in Bamboo. If you don't have Bamboo, Cassie, what are some other things that you think you could use to measure team member well-being um, that would be easy to kind of get a baseline on where things are from a well-being standpoint in your organization? Definitely use surveys, right? Yeah. If you've got it in your HRIS, all the better because of how you're able to share and, and group think about the data in there. So whether it's EMPS or employee well-being surveys, but don't forget manager one-on-ones. If you're having a convo, check in. What do you want to measure? How are they doing? And all of your normal peer feedback channels, whether it's rewards and recognition or even just like on our team, we started up a, just a chatty one so that we can just connect as people and get to know each other. Um, your performance assessments. That's actually a great place. So any time that you're interacting is a great place to start measuring that. I think you do need to have some places that are more formal, but don't overlook the importance of the casual day-to-day -day opportunities that currently exist. Yeah, it's so true because 94% of team members would stay with their employees for longer if they knew their company invested in them. And I think sometimes we read this and we're like, oh, we have to provide a class or provide a training. But I think this is directly tied to well-being. Like when you call and check on me, I feel like you're investing in me. When you know, like, so we've got a team member, Cassie and I, that their dog is going to have surgery Thursday morning. So I've got it on my calendar to ping that team member and say, hey, how's Sylvester doing? Like, is there anything that you need? Um, to me, that's investment that we can give each other. Um, you know, oftentimes Cassie and I will ask people outside of our own team, is there anyone that's struggling? Is there anyone, you don't have to tell me what they're struggling with, but hey, I've got time to just check in with people. Who should I check in with today? And I think all that drives well-being. And if you do do the survey through Bamboo, your HIS, or through Google Sheets, which uh, Google Forms, which I'm a big fan of, just make sure you report on what you learned. 
and take the three biggest things. Maybe there's a lot of conversation about appreciation and connection in our chat. Maybe appreciation will drive well-being. And so say, hey, we're going to focus on appreciation this year, and these are the things that we're going to do, and measure it based on your feedback so that you can start to drive action around what people are asking and get familiar with the numbers and key signs of what motivates people. And then are there signs too that we can use from well-being, Cassie, that would tell us that people aren't motivated? Um, yeah, whether you're measuring the positive or the negative, we think about, you know, what's your retention rate? When you have well-being as a focus, people are 69% less likely to search for another job. So retention matters. There's just, you know, flat numbers, but also what about your key talent? What about your top performers? What's your retention like there? Uh, burnout. People are 71% less likely to report experiencing burnout when you feel that. So that's another measure you can do. Look at your absenteeism, right? Relative to burnout, where things are going there. If you have sick time, things like that, monitoring. Um, people are five times more likely to advocate for your company as a great place if they feel cared for. So referrals, if you are growing, what does that look like? Are you getting great referrals in from your team member? Um, if we focus on well-being, they're three times more likely to be engaged at work. So are you measuring productivity per head, right? Whatever the role is, what do those metrics look like? And do you have really strong numbers? One of my most favorite things that we can enjoy, but maybe harder to measure, and it's probably my favorite thing, is is when people feel like well-being is a priority, they're 36 more likely to be thriving in their overall lives. And this just, like, this captures my heart and soul. So I'm a Nana. I have the most adorable littles. And if you ever know that, you already know this about me. Um, but it's really the opportunity and how important this is. Yeah, this is about engaging our employees and its well-being and its culture, but it's about humans. We have the opportunity to improve the lives of our team members. And through this, we start to lift the human experience in our communities. And I think there's no greater cause. And probably like many of you, that's why I love focusing my talents in the HR space. I care about people and I want to make the world a better place. And we get the opportunity to do this in our work every day. Oh, I just uh, like I have goosebumps, Cassie, from hearing you. And Cassie is the best Nana on the planet. I've had the opportunity to see her with her grandbabies and they're beautiful and it's pure magic. And it's true. I view well-being as, as when you throw the pebble into the pond and you get those circles that come out, it affects your whole community. And I think people are using work as their community right? We don't really have neighborhood built communities. You know, you may have it through a social cause that you're invested in or a religious cause or something, a way that you build community. But if you don't have those things, I think more and more team members look to work for their community. And this is, you know, Cassie, what I hear you saying is that when you really focus on well-being, it can go out into the world. And that's why I do this too. I believe it makes the world a better place. And it's why I believe culture is such an important driver in organizations because it'll either lift the waterline of the world or it will suck him down, right? I mean, we've all had a friend that's miserable at work and they're miserable to hang out with after work. So um, if we can be a part of, of helping be happy at work, a place where we spend a lot of time, it would just be amazing. So here's some actionable steps for well-being. Like track and measure employee well-being. We said you can use, you know, Google Forms, 
Um, you can use bamboo, whatever works best for you, and show how you implement feedback based on that data. Review your retention numbers and use what happens in well-being as strategies to reduce turnover. And like Cassie said, they can be as simple as manager one-on-ones. They can be peer-to-peer check-ins. They can be checking in with other people so you know somebody cares about you. And then get familiar when you feel somebody is struggling with motivation, right? I I just love, uh, I love it as just calling and checking and say, hey, are you okay today? Um, And there's no software, there's no tool that will sub for the human connection like Cassie describes, the human to human connection. So, um, so, so really get, get in touch with well-being, what it means for your organization and how it drives your engagement. And all of those things together will help drive your culture. So this is part three, and we're moving into our third section today. And why does this matter? Why does culture matter? How do you leverage engagement and well-being to influence it? I really want to dig into the idea that we need to take our learnings from team member engagement and team member well-being. And when we implement those changes, we see culture show up. It's the way people feel when they walk into your building, the way people feel when they're on the phone call with your support team, you know, all of those things. So how do you see well-being and engagement driving culture, Cassie? Yeah. So I I like to define culture as how you think, act, and interact. Love that. Right. So it's the artifacts of your mission. It's the artifact of what engagement looks like. It's those those one-on-one interactions. And it it's key to team member retention. One of the things that I I don't know if this is the right word, but like I'm the most proud of or I'm the most excited that has been consistent at Bamboo HR. So we've been doing EMPS for years now. Um, Our team got to prototype it before it was ever even built into the product. And we played with it. But it's been so rewarding to know that the number one thing that people say makes Bamboo HR a great place to work is the people they work with. And I thought, we are winning when we get that right, when that is at the top of the list, because it's our people that deliver our value. They're the ones inventing and creating, and they're the ones reaching out to you, our HR world, and supporting you in the work that you do as you interact through our software. So I love that that people are number one. And um, when we think about and uh, more about retention, uh, we spend most of our working, living, breathing lives at work, right? These are the people I'm spending the most time with. And so making sure that those relationships add value. Um, a couple of stats to really put it in, in perspective. Um, team members who don't like their organization's culture are 24% more likely to quit. So we know this, but it's just one piece of are you staying and do I have your heart and mind or just your time? of team members would not apply or continue to work for a company that has a bad reputation. Do you think about your employer brand, but even just your corporate brand as part of your culture? Nobody wants to be ashamed of where they work at. So part of culture is both what employees experience on the inside, but how the world is reacting to what you put out there and how you show up in that process. An employer brand central to that. And 65% of team members are likely to leave their job if they felt they were being portrayed negatively in the news or social media due to poor business practices. 
So this one ties back to company values. Who are you as a people? What is your value system? And when things get hard, when I have to choose between option A and option B, which one do I choose? Well, hopefully our values start to provide clarity of actually option A sounds better when we think about these outcomes relative to our values, our employee experience, our brand in the market, right? Some of those qualitative factors that um, don't show up on the P&L, but are so important to the, the formula of success. Well, actually, though, well, there is a statistic that does tie culture to the P&L. Having a culture that attracts high talent can lead to 33% higher revenue. Um, hiring talented managers can lead to 27% higher revenue per team member. I've been looking for this revenue culture correlation for my entire career, Cassie. And so I would love to figure out ways that would correlate because we know that team members that feel engaged, feel cared for, know that we care about their well-being, they're going to be more productive. And they're going to get to that way of winning that you described earlier in the call is that when the company is winning, the team is going to feel like it's winning. And then that's going to correlate with happy employees and happy business performance. So it's really, really exciting. And I just, I agree with you. Culture really does impact, impact everything. You know, we talked about engagement, well-being and how it's tying into culture. They're so intertwined. And when you focus on one, the other two are directly impacted. I'm curious, Cassie, in your career, what's made the biggest impact on culture at, you know, Bamboo over the last few years? Yeah, I think hands down, it's the idea of having company values, but acting on them. So turning your values into a verb has been really, really important because this is our social way of living at work, right? It's our, our societal norm that we're establishing. And I have never known a human who told me that they aspire to be met. Not I yet. just haven't. <laughs> you know, and, and if we believe that we all share the desire to become something more, that means we need to be exceptional at learning. So like, here's my, my takeaway as I look at my career and working in the people space. If, if it's important to learn and grow, it means we have to be fabulous at failing because that's where learning happens. Let's be honest. You. When it's hurting, when it's painful, when you are feeling insecure and stressed, that's the opportunity to learn something new, have an epiphany, rise above and become. I've seen this very directly. So I love our value of be open. And a lot of people will sometimes, uh, we teach, so we have a value, assume the best and a value of be open. And sometimes people lean in to assume the best and say, well, I'm just going to assume Anita didn't mean to make me upset. So therefore, I'm not going to say anything to her. And we try so hard to teach you actually owe Anita the opportunity to explore that and be open and talk about it. Like if you don't talk it out, you will act it out. And I have seen team members who, like, you know, you encourage and you coach and a, and a manager or a peer steps up demonstrates courage, leads from where they are and says, hey, I want to give you some feedback. Here's how I'm experiencing you in this meeting. And people have said, no one has ever told me that before in my entire career. And we're talking people who have been out there for a while where we're so careful about being nice and managing by relationship, friendship, rather than actually caring about the human, 
and making it safe for them to learn from their shortcomings, learn from not being perfect. And have have you told that person, like, here's how other people experience you, not to label them, not to make them feel like they failed, but because you actually see they have the opportunity to rise above. So I'll share a personal example. I'm naturally an introvert. I'm shy. I just like one-on-one relationships. In my job, it's always been important that I'm able to present in public settings. And while I can do it well, I had a peer who like wasn't on my team, had no reason to approach me, but they came to me and said, hey, I think you could be better at presenting. Here's what I'm noticing. And they challenged me to be better, but then they said, how can I help you? And they gave me an idea that they had. And the idea didn't matter. What matters is that somebody said, you can actually do better than that. And I want to both challenge and encourage you to be better. And I'd never had anybody do that. Like In my head, I was super comfortable with the way I held myself back. And I knew it was there, but I had already decided it didn't matter. And since no one else had brought it to my attention, I was right. It didn't matter because no one else said it mattered. But because that person had courage and came up and said something to me, I had a whole paradigm shift. I started to say, they're right. I do need to show up in more powerful and meaningful ways. What does that look like? How do I want to include this in my professional brand? How do I include this in just like who I am as a human? And how does it show up in my personal value system now? And it became a priority. And I did. I got better at what I was doing. And I think the difference was truly meaningful. Um, but even just on a personal level, even if it didn't affect our PL, it didn't change, you know, our revenue goal. I knew that somebody cared about me and they cared enough to say, hey, this. Right there, you could do better. And it made like work just suddenly became safer. I was much more open to not just being great, but learning how to get better, if that makes sense. Such a beautiful, vulnerable story. I'm so grateful that you shared because it ties everything together, right? It ties the value of growing from good to great, right? They thought you were good. How does Cassie become great? They took the chance that you were going to be open, right? And have the openness to receive the feedback because they were investing in you. Like, think about it. They're leveraging the values. They're showing that they care. They're making constant investment in you to help you grow from a very specific place, very calm, very safe, you know, especially for an introvert getting out, you know, you're already expanding yourself beyond your comfort zone. And then to be able to receive feedback, assume positive intent, to go and continue to grow in that area, right? You're more engaged and, you know, you're delivering on these all the time and it's amazing and you're beautiful at it and you do it so well. No one would ever guess that it wasn't needed for you. And and it came because somebody cared. Someone right. invested in me. And, and that's what I think a lot of what we're talking about today. Are we investing in our teams and in our people through mission? vision values, through engagement, through well-being, through culture. These are soft tools that I think are essential in drawing out the absolute best that our people have to offer. Yeah. 
What a gift to when somebody can see something, like you said earlier, I just want to double down on this to make sure everybody really can grasp the concept is that when somebody can see that they somebody else can do better, stopping and sharing with them how they see it can be done better, right? Like that mm-hmm. is really, really kind. Because like you said, no one's showing up to be meh, right? I want to be great, right? What's the meh emoji? Did you ever see that in the emoji movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they, people have different goals of things they want to be. And when you know that somebody cares about what that is, Um, It makes all the difference in the world organizationally. So yes, you can use, right? Like if we kind of sum this up on our final action steps for our audience, right? First one is get clear on what culture feels like to team members right now. Like leverage a survey to do that, but also don't get stuck in thinking that you don't have a voice in that. You can do the example that Cassie just gave and reach out to somebody you care about and share with them how you can invest to help them be better in something that you see. Make a plan based on the data to improve the culture. So if you think that, you know, your engagement scores could be higher based on focusing on well-being or values, go ahead and focus just on one of those things. You don't have to boil the ocean. Just pick one and align those company goals and leadership actions around the values to drive the engagement and make sure that you're recognizing people on the process, right? It's not always easy, but when you can recognize it's really amazing um, what that what happens. They People get better when you recognize them for what they're doing well. And just making sure that we're checking in on our turnover numbers and our referral hires and making sure that those have great clues into why people um, feel, or how people feel the culture is affecting them and will be great insights for you to continue to look at. So all three of these steps will really help you, you know, create the culture that you want, create a plan, align your goals so that um, you can have a better culture with better engagement and stronger well-being going forward. Is there anything else that you'd add to that, Cassie? Oh, there's, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's what I would say. It's a journey. Just take one step. No matter where you're at in the, in the opportunity, take a step. It truly does matter. I think a lot of times in the HR space, we can feel held back and constrained. And that's one of the things I've appreciated about Anita's leadership style is constraints or excuses. Don't fall for that trap. Find another way. Who do I need to be? How do I need to show up if I want a new result? Something that I've tried in the past and failed at. Something that I feel stuck in. Be willing to lead with courage and know that you can influence that change. I think persistence. Don't give up. Now, there are ways to do it that are going to put people off or there are ways to do it where people start to think deeply. Um, I think showing up authentically is powerful. So uh, in the HR space, we talk a lot about creating cultures of respect and openness so that people can bring their whole selves to work. What does that look like and, and how do we how do we lead out in that one? I was a while back, I remember reading an article about what does self-care look like? And do you as leaders and do you as HR demonstrate, actually physically demonstrate what it looks like to have self-care and you start to make it safe for people to go, oh, you mean I, I can do that too? So, you know, being clear on all of your actions, all of your behaviors can make a difference and yeah, keep 
keep doing it. Don't give up the fight. It totally matters. And if you don't, who will do it? No one else will do it. That's why it's so important that we inspire this HR hero group today to go do one thing, like pick it. Like Cassie said, pick values, pick well-being, pick engagement, you know, pick something in your culture. You know, the question on your survey can say, what do you love most about our culture? What's the thing that you would change? If you could add one thing, like I love the exercise of stop, start, continue. Yeah. Like that's a way to think about it as well. Because um, I want I meant to say this earlier, you know, Cassie, you were talking about one of the things people love about Bamboo most are our people. And it shows up in our well-being report. And so when we did planning for this year, we said we want to make sure we protect this. And we're putting thoughtful things and strategies around how do we make sure that people still love our people a year from now, even more than they love them today. And I do believe it's through this thoughtful action, like Cassie said, just do one thing today. And it's like that. Um, do you remember that book, that random act of kindness? Mm-hmm. You know, just do one kind act a day that ties in with your mission, vision, or values. And it will be, it will be so great to perpetuate that feeling across your whole org. And so um, before, before we get into exiting, I do want to pick up this one question that came up in the chat that I thought was really good and useful for everyone was what do we do about team members overseas? What's the best way to make them feel that they're engaged? Sending packages and gift cards can be difficult and expensive. Um, So I'd love to hear if any of you in the chat have had experiences like this, but this is where I love um, our Slack channels. A lot of you have spoken about ERGs in this webinar chat. And I actually love um, groups that take away the identification that we see visibly and put it into something that we work on together. Like if we go back to the example, Cassie and I talked about anxiety and peer support channel, everybody's in there from all walks of life. We're all collaborating around this thing called anxiety that we all struggle with and we're supporting each other on peers, like as peers. You know, Cassie, what other things have you seen done that really help people come together, especially in different geographies? And, you know, that's an interesting one. Is it just about time zones? Right. Have you thought about shifting some meetings so that it's more in their prime time zone? Like, what does that look like? Um, what are things that might be unique to their geographical location that they're struggling with? And how do you engage and say that I see that? I see you. And here's how I want to support you. So, for example, um, when I did my um, MHR program, I did an international trip and we went to Paris and met with different businesses and governments and learned about it. And then the second part of the trip was Cape Town, South Africa. So two juxtaposed cultures, work environments, just in very different places. And as we met with those leaders, business leaders, government officials, they were saying things like, hey, I've got corporate headquarters in U.S. or, you know, someplace else. And my people are worried about their children getting home from school safely. Yeah. So do we know what their pressures are and how do we support them? Can we provide, like I lean into the word flexibility, and that doesn't just mean when work gets done, but it's how we go about our work. And are we providing the right tools and resources and permission to, to do things that way, right? Should I be setting my Slack notices to kind of hit them in their time zone? So they're not getting pinged in the middle of the night and they just have this 
quiet pressure that builds of they need me and I'm not there. And I can tell by the number of Slack messages I'm getting. And that can be true of like closer remote versus, you know, really far away. Yeah, those are great, great tips to create connection. I remember when we had teams in India, we would do meetings, you know, at seven o'clock our time. So it's first thing in the morning for them. I think the time zone uh, thoughtfulness goes a long way. When we had teams in APAC, Australia, New Zealand, you know, we would be thoughtful that they were a day ahead. So scheduling meetings on Friday was their Saturday. So that didn't always work either. So little things like that can definitely show that you care. Another question before we get to the top of the hour that I want to make sure we hit was um, how do you engage team members in municipal organizations? The values uh, the values in the organization typically hold our service to constituents. And how do you create buy-in? And I know one of my favorite books, Cassie, is Good to Great by Jim Collins for the social sectors. A lot of the principles that we've talked about today are still really applicable in social sectors and hourly cases. You know, values are still important. And no matter who you serve, the way you want to serve them, how you want to win are excellent things to start thinking about. What else would you add, Cassie? Yeah, in, in many ways, there's almost an advantage. So in the in the private sector, so often it, it's focused on the revenues and the earnings. But in the social sector, we already know there's a need out there. There is a, a large mass cause that we're supporting. And are you good at storytelling? Do you truly believe that you're there to make a difference? And how do you bring stories out of the services that you provide, the products that you create to really demonstrate why that work matters? Um, I've, I've worked with several HR professionals in, in my network, and, and that's the one place that I've thought it's, it's both the, the clear opportunity, but also, also the place that you probably need to 2X on that. Totally. How good are you at telling your story? Um, the story matters and it's central to your um, reaching your clients and the community that you're serving to get that story out there. But it's also the place where you buy the hearts and, and minds of your team members. They're there because they believe in that cause. So storytelling may seem simple, but it can be so powerful. It's so true. The story too that I love to anchor around is the story of like, Cassie, this is how I see you fitting into the future of Bamboo. And whether you're in the private sector or the social sector, people still want to hear their story for that cause. They yeah. want to hear how they fit in to the next chapter. They want to know how they contribute and why it's valuable in that. So use storytelling to engage your team members around whatever cause that you have, for-profit, not-for-profit. The, the elements are the same. Uh, just the way that you go after it can be a little bit nuanced, but all the principles definitely line up. What do you think about this question? This will, I think, be our last question. One of the biggest issues with staff currently is addressing overwork. Any suggestions on how to manage that? So I talked a little bit about self-care. Yes. And each leader needs to lean into that. But then are you giving tips and tricks to individuals? Uh, have that be part of your one-on-ones. I think that that tackle it as a team, but it's best achieved one-on-one, you know, thoughtfulness about what does your calendar look like and how do you manage that? How do you think about distractions versus breaks? Yes. Right. And, and what's the purpose of a break and how are we building that into our day and 
do we truly believe that we can be more effective when our bodies are at their strongest? If I stare at a spreadsheet for 12 hours, it's a superpower. I can do it. But by the end, you know, I'm going to start having data errors. And so at that point, I'm no longer doing the right thing and I'm not making it count in the way that matters most. So I tend to think of it one-on-one because when you understand the individual pressures and motivators that somebody's experiencing, then I can help them unravel that and figure it out. Then the fun part is as leaders, it's our job to spot patterns. And if we see everybody's kind of responding in these ways to this, how can I change that process? Or how can I change the way that work flows from team A into team B? And does that help alleviate the unexpected and unrequested overwork that people are naturally leaning into? The good thing is, is it shows they care. They're passionate about their work. They want to deliver excellence. They're trying to be a team player, but are they, is it becoming a strength in excess and it's actually creating harm? It's so true. We have to help manage ourselves first, put the mask on ourselves first before we put it on others. I love those tips for overwork. And Cassie, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing all of your thoughts and wisdom and vulnerability with all the HR heroes like you out there. We're super grateful for you today. Thank you. Well, this has been so fun to be with you all. So I hope you've enjoyed your time. Make sure to give yourself a pat on the back today. You're doing awesome. That's right. All these HR heroes doing amazing work out there. Please come back same time, February 21st for our next episode. Five simple metrics for onboarding success. We'll have a special guest, Clayton Binford, Chief People and Development at Nomad Global, will be joining us to discuss how we can more effectively onboard and retain team members. Onboarding is the first step into our employee journey, so I'm excited to have Clayton here. So be sure you register at the link provided in the chat. Please be sure to get this video and our other ones on 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 demand. You can go to our website, bamboohr dot com slash HR unplugged. You can join us in our Slack group with the chat in the link there. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our series and be sure to join us and also give us your feedback. Go get them. Thanks, HR heroes. Thanks, Cassie. Have a super day. Thanks for joining us for HR unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bamboo HR. Visit us at bambooHR.com slash HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 